there. Welcome to Grin and Parrot, a podcast where a couple of teachers talk about current trends in education. My name is Paige Polseen. I'm Kathy Barth. And we are really happy to have you here today. We'd like to encourage you to please uh, check out our website at growthperspectives.org and you can go to um, the podcast tab and you can comment and start a conversation and we'd like to start a conversation. It's a little (laughs) one-sided. We'd like to change that. You can also find our podcast now on iTunes. So we're very happy about that. And we'd love to start getting some comments, um, you know, finding out how people are enjoying it. So our main topic today is a trend that is kind of all over the place, certainly all over Pinterest, and that is flexible seating. And this is actually something that I use in my classroom. This is the first year that I have done it. And, I mean, I've always, like, been intrigued with the idea of a comfortable reading corner and things like that. But I honestly haven't really thought very much about it. And then I went to, like, the first week before school, I'm at a teacher meeting, and I'm in a colleague's classroom, and she's got some high tables in the back that are good for standing, or she has stools there for them. And I'm like, ooh, I like this. (laughs) And the person I share a classroom with was like, ooh, I like this. So we immediately dove in. We went to our admins, and, and then I went over because... I was sitting next to an elementary teacher who said, oh, you should come see my classroom. (laughs) And I went over and all of the elementary classrooms, we have four elementary classrooms on campus, and they have, they're all have gone to flexible seating. And like my friend's classroom, she teaches the little ones. So she's got little wiggle stools and yoga balls. And (laughs) it's like, oh my gosh, I want this room. So the trouble for us, of course, was figuring out how to make it work for middle school students. And there's some interesting writing about the topic. There's a lot of great anecdotal evidence. Teachers who use it love it. What there isn't, and I find this interesting, although not necessarily compellingly negative, but there hasn't been any long-term research done because it's such a new trend. Right. Uh, so, So people are using research for, like, outdoor education and um, research that talks about movement in the classroom Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to support the idea of flexible seating. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like I said, teachers are raving about it, teachers that use it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what people are saying about it, and I'm going to kind of intersperse it with my own experience, because I've just, like I said, just this school year have been, have been doing it. So... Kayla uh, Delzer, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Mm D-E-L-Z-E-R, is kind of a leader. Uh, She's very very much out there on the Internet, pretty strong presence out there on the Internet talking about flexible seating. She's got a TEDx talk, um, something about, you know, maybe your child's classroom is going to start looking like uh, Starbucks (laughs) uh, or something like that. And so she talks a lot about flexible seating, and she really is um, adamant, and she has a lot of research from varying viewpoints to back up what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's really making the connection between physical freedom, sort of physical activity, 
to higher academic performance, to better health, to improved behavior. That oh. there's sort of a circular um, movement that feeds off of this idea of students mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. able to um, work where they're physically comfortable. So that, I guess, I should sort of define flexible seating. So flexible seating is in a classroom taking away or, or, or reducing the number of sort of traditional desks and chairs desk. um, mm -hmm. that you've got and offering alternatives to the student. So, uh, so some classrooms might, like for the little kids, they might have those little, those, the, the wiggle stools, they're kind, they remind me of, you know those saucer things that we put our little babies in oh, to? Yeah. They're kind of like that with a rounded base <laughs> and a stool that's like uh -huh. an upside down mushroom almost. And so they, they wobble, but they don't fall they don't over. Fall. The kids can't <laughs> knock them over, but they give the kids a chance to reduce some energy. There's also these footboards that are rounded that kids can, oh, even if they're sitting at a desk, uh -huh. put their feet on the wiggle board and get and some of some their movement. kinetic energy out that way. Uh, the thing, and so it, it look, kind of looks different for different people. In our classroom, what we've done is we've raised several of the tables just using, like, We've done it very inexpensively. Mm -hmm, We've mm -hmm. raised the legs as long as as tall as they'll go. Mm -hmm. We have tables, not individual desks, and then we've used the bed, you know, the bed risers, those classic oh, right. bed risers, mm -hmm. to raise, raise the to tables. Standing height, so they are they're standing height, uh -huh. and but we also have some stools for them, uh -huh. and the stools I just absconded with from our science department because they have <laughs> way more stools in their lab areas than they need. So. We have some tall tables with stools. We have some low tables. We just re you lowered the mm -hmm. uh, legs all the way down with pillows on the floor. Oh, wow. We have a lot of bean bags. That's the uh, elementary kids had extra uh -huh, bean bags, uh -huh. so we have a lot of bean bags. I already had some big, like, superhero pillows that I got at Walmart for five bucks a piece mm -hmm. last year, so I already had that in my little reading corner. And... Um, and the rest are traditional tables and chairs. But uh, we're already planning. We're, I, actually, we kind of got rid of our low tables because those weren't really working for our right, kids. Right. They weren't choosing those. So, But we're going to bring in a couch. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. uh, some teachers use, like, those foldable camp chairs, uh -huh. which is a pretty inexpensive way to do, um, to bring in some alternate seating. A lot of teachers use yoga balls mm -hmm. for the students to sit on. I'm a little hesitant for the students that... In my grade level, I'm afraid yoga balls might be just too much of a temptation. I don't know. But so there's all sorts of things to do it. But the, the, the important aspect about flexible seating uh -huh. for me, and it seems like for a lot of teachers who use it, is the idea that students find the place where they're going to work and learn best. And it's a big shift for teachers, right? Sure. And one quote that, I, that Kelly Almer, she has a great um, article about her experience with flexible seating. But she's like, you've got to give up the power of the seating chart as a teacher, right? And Oh, that's tough, though. It is. It's very <laughs> tough. But when you trust it, mm -hmm. and she has some good, like, she has some good... Um, ideas about discipline, because, of course, that's probably teachers' biggest fear, sure. right? If I let the kids sit wherever they want and sit, like, laying down on a 
on a beanbag on the floor, right, you know, right. how are they going to possibly learn if they're laying on their belly and writing their notes, you know, or they've got a clipboard on their lap or whatever. And, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Just that, oh, one thing that Kelly talks about with that is it's just a, an understanding between her and the kids, and they mm-hmm. and you do have to like really you have to sort teach, of teach, you have to teach the kids them how to what, use this resource and the and the like anything else, yeah. And the reality is, the point is for students to find the place and the physical position that they're learning best at. And so, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they're off task, talking with their friends, whatever it is, they're clearly not learning best in that spot. And that's not so the they spot should go them. find another spot. So what she has found is that pretty quickly, and I think she's got fourth grade, her kids have learned that if they want to stay in this spot, they're going to be focused and attentive. Yeah, and, um, So some of the benefits, though, uh, that Kelly talks about and that I really agree with is, one, it gives students a greater sense of control and ownership in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It um, There's an ambiance that changes, right? When we are allowed to be physically comfortable, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. are emotionally more comfortable and mentally more comfortable. That that we're more likely to talk to each other. We have more of a sense of shared ownership Mm -hmm. instead of a, like, now this is in my middle school and high school where the students don't sit at the same desk all day. You don't really have this issue, but Sometimes with elementary kids, you know, like they get their desk and it's right. their desk it's their and desk. their stuff goes in their desk right. and they're very territorial and that's their space and don't let your, your pen can't be on my desk right. or stop kicking my desk or whatever. And once you separate the kids from that, uh-huh. you get a much uh, more communal sense ah, of classroom ownership. Sure. They don't need to be so possessive about a particular right. space. And then that leads that that connects into the relationship between the students. Mm -hmm. The students are much more comfortable sharing space with other students. And here's one of the things that is, has been amazing for me. Mm -hmm. One, first of all, I don't even worry about where my students are sitting. My students, I used to kind of give it as a, like a reward that I would allow my students to choose where they were sitting. And that was fine. But now, every day, my students choose where they're sitting, with the ex- exception of maybe one or two. If, if I feel like, okay, for the next few days, you need to sit where I'm right. telling you to sit because they're making bad choices or whatever. But, um, but so I just don't even, that is something I have given up control over, and I don't miss it at all. I'll bet not. I don't know. It's a, it's <laughs> the a only huge thing is thing. kind of funny when I go to, when I go to take roll, and kids who are, have been sitting in one spot for the last three weeks, now we're not there, <laughs> I have to actually get up and look. Where are you? And, and, and I have a pile of beanbags in one corner and I do have two students who tend to like six rate students sitting (laughs) in that pile it's like are you in there but it's kind of fun and uh, so my students are regularly sitting with people they like Mm -hmm. right they're sitting and I know there's a worry what about our heterogeneous or yeah our heterogeneous groups Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all of that but what I have found is that if my students get to sit with the people they like, Mm -hmm. 
most of the time, they are way more willing to work with the people they otherwise wouldn't choose to work with for the short term. That's really powerful. It's huge. And it's it was a side benefit. I didn't really I wasn't even thinking along sure. those lines. But so quite often I'll pair my students up to do peer editing, for example, like I did this week or or working on Socratic, you know, as Socratic partners, discussion partners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll just remind them, I this may not be the person that and I randomly assign them, but this may not be the person you would normally choose to work with, but it's just for today. Right. And I know you can handle it. And they they do an amazing job. I think they're far more open to communicating supportively mm-hmm, with that mm-hmm. student than they would be if they were stuck sitting next to that student the entire class period every day. Right. And that has been really powerful for me to see because, and I think also it ties back into the stuff that Kelly was saying, that the students are just, they feel more comfortable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they feel more heard, they feel a greater sense of ownership, right. so they're more ready to be open. Right, right. And to communicate and connect with each other. Right. I mean, it, it occurs to me that this is really a big help also for those poor kids that historically have been stuck riding herd on the kids that have behavior issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So now they get choice also. Yes. And yes. And it's just more pleasant for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because and there's still kids who ride herd on other people, but right. they do it because they choose to. Right. Not right? because you've put some exactly. next they to them. They do it because they want to help out their friend who right. doesn't always make the best choices mm-hmm. or who sometimes gets distracted. Mm-hmm. And they do then help out their friend. And, but that's uh, a whole different context. It's their that's choice. Really, it's not sure. me saying, you know what, I don't know what else yeah. to do. This kid you needs you, to, so there you yeah. go. And, and, you know, by the time they're in eighth grade, and if they've been with these kids for more than a few oh, years, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. I always no. have to work with that person. Right. Really? Right. No, I can just and, see And as a teacher, great. I'm like, you need to. <laughs> but uh, this really this really helps. So uh, one of the concerns that people voice is, well, how do you choose who gets to sit where? If, you know, if there's an overabundance and s- some teachers... Right, and are there problems around that? Exactly. So some, pe- some teachers deal with it by having sort of extras um, of every kind of seating mm-hmm, option mm-hmm. so that there's always, you know, enough for everybody. That's kind of tough. Um, another teacher suggested, like, draw sticks. If there are people who, you know, two people who want the same bean bag and it's the last bean bag available, have them just, pick, right. you know, draw Some like a straw. Drawing thing. Sure. Uh, the other thing that I have done that has worked is I just do like a sign-up sheet. Oh. Okay, for next week, here's all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. You can only sign up for one. If you've been sitting in that for the last two weeks, you can't choose it. And just to allow, because there will be some quiet kids who aren't going to say, you know what, I really want to sit here and it's my turn. Right. Um, so oh, I, I have found then. I do need to sometimes advocate for that. Mm-hmm. because. But now that the kids are used to it, mm-hmm. They're getting a little less territorial about it, right? They're getting a little less. I get the high table because that's my spot. You know, right, they're not choosing right. their spot in perpetuity. And they're understanding that it's going to be a rotating yeah, sort of a thing. Yeah, and they're going to get it's totally okay. Chance. And that they uh-huh. may find they really like the beanbag just as yeah. well as they like the stool. Right. You know, and right. and we're looking forward to offering more options. So, I, Jasmine and I, Jasmine's my 
co-teacher, we're going to bring in some camp chairs, uh-huh. and we're going to bring in a um, couch, Mm-hmm. And hopefully more bean bags, and get rid of more of our tables. We just right. got rid of two tables, <laughs> and um, and we're really excited about it. This is a great quote, though, that I liked. That I'm going to end this with. Um, well, it just reinforces. It's by a guy named Oscar Simerman. Desks promote compliance. Coffee shop style, and I would say living room style, mm-hmm. encourages community building and communication. Oh, that's and, a great quote. Yeah, what and when idea. you think about it, when we're out in the world, when do we most have, have our most rich conversations? It's not when we're sitting in rigid rows, right. even in cubicles right. in our office, right? It's when right. we're sitting around a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. It's when yeah. you're like, I'm not advocating wine with our students. No, but but it's <laughs> when you're in a relaxed state and yes. you've chosen and a seating arrangement. comfortable. To help you communicate yeah. with the whole group that you yeah. want to work with. Yeah. So for me, the biggest thing is options. Giving. I still do have some single desks, and mm-hmm. I still sometimes have students choose those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But giving the students options, choices, freedom, and uh, for me, the benefits just... I, like, I haven't really found any... Any real downside? Any real downside. Yeah, that's great. Every now and then, I have one or two students I have to say, mm-hmm. you know what, clearly not making good choices wherever they are and right. so you and know you i help them find a, a little yeah, bit i help them find a better sure spot. but um well it's an interesting way of thinking about a classroom space i um i don't currently have a classroom space mm-hmm. so i have not been thinking about this <laughs> much um but i do remember when i was first teaching i brought in a sofa for my reading area um and i had a kind of a mentor teacher who questioned that mm. and said, well, how, you know, you're going to, you're going to encourage kids to yeah. not take you seriously mm-hmm. and not be well on their best behavior. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how she put it by mm-hmm. having this, mm-hmm. this thing in your classroom. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> but I'm happy that thinking is changing. It is really interesting. And to see that that just isn't, mm-hmm. it's case. not really how it mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this uh, made me think of something that happened earlier this week or that I'm finding regularly with this idea that communication is encouraged with this, that, I always have my students talk to each other. It's just mm-hmm, the way. Mm-hmm. And, but I've really been working on total participation techniques, really trying as much as possible, have all my students mm-hmm. actively involved mm-hmm. at, you know, at, at as much time as I can. And so what's, one thing that I regularly do is I will tell the students the question I'm going to ask mm-hmm. and or questions. I'll say these are the questions I'm going to ask, and I'm going to randomly pull out of my name cards right. for somebody to answer it for me. But before I do that, I want you to talk to each other, and right. you know, make sure you've answered this question. Right, right. And I have noticed, and and I've always had students respond pretty well to that. But there's also always been one or two who ha- just haven't really talked to each other. They're willing right. to take the risk that their name's not going to be the one they're going to But since I started flexible seating, it is almost 100%. Like, uh, most of the time, it is 100% where I'll toss out a question like that, right. and I'll say, talk to the people around you for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to pull a card, and somebody's going to answer it for me. 
And I, as far as total participation goes, I love it because it means every single student has answered that question. Right. They just ne- haven't necessarily answered it to, to me. you personally. Right. And even if they if they didn't know the answer at the beginning, they've heard the correct answer yeah. from someone oh, near them, amazing. right? Um, and then they hear it again when right. I pull a card. Right. But they're really talking to each other, genuinely looking each other in the eye and talking to each other about about what I want them to talk about. (laughs) And at the end of the day, I was like, "Um, it's kind of like magic. (laughs) I pulled a little miraculous. I'm looking around going, and I have my pile of kids on the beanbag, and I have my kids on the top, you know, and they're all talking to each other about why we need to revise our papers. I just was doing my, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that felt, um, I am loving flexible seating. I can't imagine going back. And um, I'll keep you updated about how that works. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah. Well, I'm also glad that it kind of seems to support um, my nitty-gritty teacher topic that Mm -hmm. I was interested in, and that is uh, encouraging deeper thinking in our students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked, we recently talked about... um, how to encourage a growth mindset, and part of that is giving students time to think more deeply about things and reflect on things. That's kind of, they kind of are overlapping here, and I really think that's part of the key to encouraging deeper thinking. Oh, I totally agree. Um, But before I really think more about that particular part of it, I just wanted to kind of clear up, a lot of times... Deeper thinking is confused with, it's not confused with, but there are several terms that are used somewhat kind of interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Critical thinking and reflective thinking. And yes, they all share thinking in common. <laughs> and they are, and both of critical and reflective thinking are part of deeper thinking. Uh-huh. But I would say the distinction is that um, critical thinking is really purposeful it's when you reason out the answer to a problem mm-hmm. you make a decision like you know it's very goal directed mm-hmm. you know and analytical yeah and reflective thinking is the process of making judgments about um kind of what you've done about mm-hmm. what happened you know mm-hmm. it's it's kind of having awareness as a learner and control of your learning yes. you get to reflect on yes. what you've been learning mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's assessing what you know and what you need to know and then figuring out how to bridge the gap mm-hmm. between those two things. And and that's kind of been the job of the teacher yes. for such a long time, yes. right, is to, okay, we're going to assess where they are. We're going to assess, assess where they need to be. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure out how to bridge the gap, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we want to encourage our kids to think more deeply, we can't just be in charge of assessing what they know. Mm-hmm. We have to teach them that they're in charge yes. of reflection and and figuring out mm-hmm. whether they've learned what they need yes. to learn. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I think, to me, as I'm thinking through it right now, that's the crux of it, yeah. is this encouraging the student yeah. to be reflective in their thinking yes. and consider what they need to know. Right. And it's a very metacognitive activity, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that the more we think about how we think, the deeper our thinking goes. Right. And the more um, the more long lasting right. those lessons are. Right, right. 
There are a lot of things we can do in the classroom to kind of encourage this. Mm -hmm. You know, we can um, make sure we do basic things that we all learned at teacher school. Provide <laughs> enough wait time yes. when you ask your students a question. Yes. You know, yes. let them kind of think it through, you know. Provide emotionally supportive environments in the classroom. So mm -hmm. don't, you know, I mean, again, that's back to relationship and yes. communication in the classroom. We to our kids, yeah, absolutely. Making it so that they can make a mistake yes. and not be afraid of the of a consequence. Right, right. You know, or help them understand that the consequence of making a mistake is a good consequence. Yes. Because it's going to yeah. help their learning. Yeah. Back to growth mindset. Exactly, <laughs> you <know>? exactly. <laughs> and I think another thing that really, as a teacher, kind of ties all this, which also makes some of it even more scary, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is it's good for us to give up some control right. and to trust our students. And that is so difficult sometimes. It's really hard. When, well, and part of it is, I think, societally, we, mm -hmm. we judge teachers all the time. Uh, about, you know, it's the teacher's fault, kind of like it's always the mother's fault, right? right it's right. the teacher's fault. And so teachers worry about that and trusting that this, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm co-opting your um, time, <laughs> but I think this is related. This, I was telling this you earlier. This is a earlier, joint effort. <laughs> and, well, you know, I was telling you earlier about how I uh, decided to, I had been, Okay, I read to my students every day because yes. I teach English, yes. right? So I read to my students every uh -huh. day, and they read silently every day. Right. And for the last two years I've been back in the classroom, I, until like the end of the school year last year, I, that time was just open time. I read to them, mm -hmm. and they drew or colored or just listened to me, and they read to themselves. Mm -hmm. And there was no... Um, there was no they didn't have to job related to it. Yeah. Answer questions or And anything. for some reason, and I'm not sure what drove me, but for some reason, last spring, I thought, okay, I guess I need something to show for this time. So I started having the students write a brief um, response or summary of their oral reading and their silent reading every day. Mm -hmm. And I, at the beginning of this school year, didn't have them do it, and then moved into doing it, thinking I was increasing rigor. Yeah. And then I just did some reflection, and I listened to a podcast that reminded me, oh, this is who you are, and realized that's, it's not right. So, so I went back and talked to my students and said, how helpful is this to you? Does this help you remember the story? Does it help you enjoy the story better? Mm -hmm. Does it um, make you want to read more? And of course, across the board, they're like, "No, <laughs> right? We don't." It doesn't. That I had then. one student going, "Well, I kind of like it." <laughs> this is my, you know, brilliant A plus, sure, you know, sure. nonstop reader student. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to keep you from doing it, but I do it if you want. Uh, but it's a leap of faith, right? Not just in the students, but in the process, right? right? Just because, and we get so caught up in this in the field of education, we feel like we need to have something to show for it. Right. 
Right. Well, and in many cases, we do need yes. something to show for yeah. it. We need a justification. Somebody for wants we us need. to justify what we're doing. And this is a doing. difficult thing to justify. Well, or even to Reflect- quantify. Reflective or to- thinking. I mean, there's a certain amount of stuff you could do where you could have them have a student write down the process mm-hmm. of thinking that they go through. But but really, they just need to think. They just need to think. And, and we, we need to give always, them space to do yes. that. And we need to trust that that actually is what they're doing, right. even if and even, even if, if there's not no proof. It. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that's a tough that's a tough thing. But I want to encourage teachers to try it because once you establish that relationship of trust, mm-hmm. it changes the entire educational environment for you and your students. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. deepens your relationship, opens your students mm-hmm. up more, opens you up more, mm-hmm. and oh, feels, no, it feels really good. It's like worth the, worthwhile. It's, it's worth the fear. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Hey, so I want to talk about a, a resource I've been using lately. Um, not as regularly as I would like, but, uh, but one that I wish I could use a little bit more often, then we'll figure out a way to do it. Um, I've been listening to, I don't even know what to call it. It's a live feed on Facebook, <laughs> but through a group that I belong to called the Upbeat Piano Teachers. Mm-hmm. And it's a, um, a piano teacher named Sarah Campbell, and she's uh, a partner in this endeavor. And she, every Friday, she has a live little presentation mm-hmm. where she talks about some aspect of music teaching in oh, particular in this cool. case but yeah. a lot of it um, would hold over for any kind of teaching mm-hmm. and of course then at the same time she's kind of back channeling and looking at the comments and saying hi to people and and then there's usually some little fun little uh, freebie thing that's uh-huh. involved you can get some I don't you know I don't even have a good example you, you can get a you can get a, um, a background for your Oh, fun, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just if you've if you've been listening. Mm-hmm. No. Anyway, um, she's had a lot of really great advice. She's very personable. She's you know she's she's the perfect person to be doing this kind of a broadcast because she she looks she looks and sounds and talks like somebody I'd like to know better. Yeah, you know, and so yeah. I look forward to hearing what she has to say. Very fun. Anytime that I can tune in, yeah. and it's available when yeah. it's not live. Yeah, it's just more fun when it's live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? that's pretty cool. I feel like you're really participating. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. that's I I would encourage people to look for stuff like that yes, because absolutely. there's you know there's more available now and yes. and people are very creative. Uh huh. That's great. So um, it's my turn to suggest a, a pairing, uh, and we have been doing a lot of cocktails lately, so I thought I would revert and go back to the wine list. And, you know, normally I don't drink a lot of wet, wet wine. I <laughs> drink for right white now. wine, perhaps. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the disclaimer, Paige has not been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I'm actually going to leave that in the recording. I normally don't drink a lot of red wine. Oh, <laughs> but partly because it's very tough for me to find a variety that I like. Oh. You know, I mean, it, there are some that I like, and then there are some that I really don't. Oh, sure. And uh, so I just recently started looking at some red, just table wine, just mm-hmm. blends. And I have found that I really like 
these blends so much better than oh, wow. most single varieties. And so I've been playing around trying different blends. And one that I bought, I will fully... Uh, <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> well, I will fully admit to... So that's my favorite way to pick wine, of course, is by... Just like books. The, yeah. <laughs> How pretty is the cover? That's right. And uh, I found this wine at Trader Joe's called Wish Flower. Mm. And it's got a beautiful label. And I really like the blend. It's really um, got lots of body, but uh -huh. it's not overpowering. Uh -huh. It's, I just, it's not, I, I just love it. So I would encourage you, after your long day of teaching, not while you're teaching, yeah, that's not no. what we're saying, um, treat yourself to a nice glass of, of a blend of some kind. And I would highly recommend this Wishflower Red Blend that I get at Trader Joe's, but I'm sure you can find it all over the place. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to trying it. Oh, and I also get to teach your shout-out today. Yay! So... I first have to say that every single teacher on my staff is a rock star. I, I'm going to shout out to everybody at some point. But this woman that I want to talk about today is incredibly special. This is my friend, Jennifer, and her last name is Jenny, spelled D-J-E-N-N-E. -N -N -E. um, so she's Jenny Jenny, or Miss Jenny, and she is the... I'm not sure exactly what her job title is, but she basically runs our after-school program. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this woman, and she's in the process of getting her teaching credential, and she is such a natural, and she loves these kids, like loves. This woman, the things she does for her students, and it really is, and she has kids who hang out with her for three and a half hours oh after gosh. school till yes. they get picked up. And she makes, as much as possible, she makes that time like home for them. She, she, she's recently, this year, she's really worked at getting snack donations. And so she's like, got, she's overflowing with food in her office. So I have a tendency to go in and sneak some uh, chips or something. Right. And I go shopping and Miss Jenny's. So I'm like, Jenny, can I get... But she's, I just love this woman. She's out on campus all the time. She does a lot of our campus supervising. She knows the kids mm -hmm. really well. She pays attention to the kids. That's so important. She's, in a lot of ways, kind of like their mom. Right. You know, she makes sure they get their homework done. She is, and she, oh, I just, oh my God, I adore this woman. She talks to the teachers and uh -huh. says, tell me what so-and-so needs to be doing for you. She really wants to understand what they're doing in class right. so she can help them the very best way she can after school so she can make sure that sh that we're on the same page so, so that students are finishing. She's contributing to the support she's, after oh, your school. Hugely That's important. Amazing. Hugely important. And she also coordinates our um, TAs. And mm -hmm. she just is, in so many ways, I consider consider her kind of like the heart of the school. She just... She just is a bundle of love, and and not you know stupid cheery not love. I mean, she is way. genuine. <laughs> she is genuine, caring, and That's, I I just oh, adore her. And I think so that our kids are like so lucky to have her. They're so lucky to have her. Yeah, that's wonderful. And. Um, I mean, the downside is she's going to get into a classroom, and she'll get those kids, which is phenomenal. Yes. And then I don't know what those after-school kids are going to do. But 
Uh, wow. I love Miss Jenny. She's just phenomenal. Oh, that's great. Thanks. That's great. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of our broadcast for our <laughs> podcast. Um, I, I want to remind everybody to, to please leave us a review on iTunes. Visit our website, growthperspectives.org. Uh, we really would like to hear from you. We love talking to each other, but we also <laughs> like talking to other people, so it would be really great. Um, and, you know, tune in next time when you might hear Paige Sarah. Don't forget to be awesome. All right. See ya. You can take that out. That was good. <laughs>